Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to 90 Day with Mary Jane Kay. Today I'll be breaking down Before the 90 Days, Season 5, Episode 10, Time's Up. The episode opens with Kimberly and Usman in bed. Kim wakes up. She tells Usman she doesn't want him mad at her all day that they need to talk. Usman says he's not mad and Kim says she's so tired of talking. She's so tired of having drama because this isn't who she is. Kim explains that Usman finally moved in last night, and she considers it a major victory, but then all of a sudden it got really, really heated because she pressured Usman for sex repeatedly and also triangulated her son in letting Usman know her son questioned his intentions and he'd have to respect her son. Usman said her son wasn't in their relationship with them, and he's Usman's junior, and he wasn't interested in talking to him, and that was the night before. It was as if Kim was telling Usman, if you don't have sex with me, you have bad intentions. My son already thinks you have bad intentions. I think he obviously isn't too enthusiastic about having sex with Kim, but I also think he doesn't want to involve sex unless he knows he's committed and he hasn't made that choice yet. His intentions are actually good and it's not his fault if he's not attracted to her physically. Kim begging for sex was deplorable and she treated him like a prostitute buying the MacBook and the PS5 and getting the honeymoon suite when Usman made his boundary clear long ago and he already capitulated to her by spending the night in her room, which was already against the agreement that he set. Then she begged him for sex and then she triangulated her son in. I found it to be very weird and Kim looks incredibly thirsty and incredibly desperate. It's really cringe watching her behavior. She has no dignity whatsoever. Kim feels like their potential relationship is on ice this morning and there is so much tension, it's thick in the air because it was as a result of her behavior for begging for sex the night before. She's frustrated because Usman hasn't even kissed her yet and she's scared to lose the connection she has with him. In my experience, there are only two reasons a a man won't be intimate, either a lack of attraction or if you've known them a long time and you've been friends for a long time and you've developed a very close connection and feelings, sometimes taking the next step of having sex or being intimate can complicate things and you're really careful because you don't want to lose the close friendship and your best friends. So you're kind of careful with it at first because it can change the dynamic and there's no telling how it will affect the connection. But in this case, 100%, I think for Usman, it's attraction, why he's not so enthusiastic. And I think he will do it reluctantly eventually, and we see later in this episode what happens. He'll do it to placate Kim, but not because it's his idea or he desires her. Kim says she loves Usman, and she opened her heart to him. Usman says they had a huge fight, but he slept in her room because he doesn't want the relationship to end when he is still getting to know her. So they go out, they take a romantic walk on the beach, they hold hands, and he says there's a lot of drama in the hotel room. Kim doesn't want more drama, so they have to talk. Kim complains that it's hot, and Usman explains it's always hot in Africa, and if she goes to visit him in Nigeria, it will be even hotter there, like she needs to get used to it. And she says visiting Usman and not knowing about the no sex thing, she had no idea about that, and that Usman wouldn't even kiss her, and she thinks it's selfish. It's not selfish. If a man wants you, he will make the move. It's clear Usman will do it reluctantly to please her, but not because he actually wants to. Kim should want a man who wants her enthusiastically, not someone she has to beg for sex, and she calls him selfish, but it's not selfish if he isn't interested and refrains from being intimate with her. It's selfish of her to beg. Usman asks if it's right for him to kiss her or have sex with her if he isn't in a relationship. And Kim thinks it's part of knowing if the relationship works. 
And Usman asks, well, are we in a relationship? And she says, no. And Usman says, that's the point. He's always said from day one, he doesn't want to proceed with intimacy unless he decides that they're in a committed relationship and he needs time with Kim to do that. Kim threatens that if they leave there and they aren't in a relationship by the, and there hasn't been any intimacy, she will be done and she'll date at home. Now, Southern California men like women who look after their appearance and she can find someone in Southern California. I'm not saying she can't, but she won't find anyone who's 30 years old or 32 years old who will be attracted to her. And if they are attracted to her, it's not going to be for the right reasons and for love. Kim should look for someone in her league who wants her and is excited to have sex with her, not someone she begs and begs and begs and then he reluctantly acquiesces, grinning and bearing throughout the experience because he knows that there will be drama if he doesn't. Kim says she loves him and she won't beg him to kiss her or F her and she won't just go home with no answers, not being in a relationship, just being his friend. Kim, that ship has sailed. You have begged Usman and treated him like a for-hire prostitute more times than I can count on my 10 fingers. You already begged. It's not a good look. If Usman has sex with you, it's strictly appeasement sex. Not because he wants to, not because he's super attracted to you. No one should have that kind of low self-worth that they would accept that. Kim makes clear she'll be done if he doesn't seal the deal before they go home. So Usman says, Kimberly is his best friend and he says they talk every day and he has feelings for her and if she leaves his life he'll be sad and he doesn't want that so Usman asks why she is always thinking so negatively and she says look what happened last night she says it was a terrible argument and look how Usman talked about her son Usman explains that he would definitely respect her son he says you know me I respect everyone Kim asks if Usman thinks yelling at her is respectful she has issues with Usman saying he won't talk to her son. It puts a damper on things. She wants her son and Usman to have some type of relationship and they don't have to be best friends, but they do have to be on, you know, good terms. She wants Usman to talk to her son, Jamal, and he agrees. He asks what else Kim wants and she says she wants him. And Usman says, but you've got me. And she says, no, she doesn't have him because, you know, they haven't sealed the deal. And he says, okay, we will have sex tonight. Usman says he doesn't, in a confessional privately, he says he doesn't want the drama over sex to end the relationship, so he will have sex with her. And then he compares his, you know what, to his arm. <laughs> Kim is nervous and she's all smiles and she wonders if him saying that they will have sex means that they are in a relationship now and she wonders if he's testing the goods before he commits. She says she is serious about an answer on commitment, on if they will be in a really in a relationship formally, but by the end of the trip, and she thinks that Usman knows she means business. She jokes that she drew the line in the sand and she tells Usman, yay, I won, as if having sex with him is some kind of prize because he capitulated finally to giving her sex. Next up is Hamza and he is going wedding shopping with his mom and they look at wedding outfits. There's a week before the wedding, but this pa these past few days, Memphis and Hamza have been through a lot. The prenup has made Hamza feel as though Memphis doesn't trust him and as though she's already before the marriage anticipating a separation. I don't think she completely distrusts Hamza, no matter how in love you are and how much you trust a person, 
five years, 10 years, 20 years down the line, you can never tell what will be over time. It's not about distrust. It's better to be safe than sorry and protect yourself. But Hamza seems to take it as a sign of distrust and as an insult. I disagree. I mean, I'd happily sign a prenup or make my husband sign a prenup just in case so everyone's assets are protected because you never know what the future holds. I think it's smart. It wouldn't insult me or make me feel like I was distrusted, but it could really be a cultural thing. Hamza is worried, but he wants to give Memphis and himself a chance. He looks bothered at the wedding shop. So his mom asks what's bothering him. She asks Hamza if he's sure about the marriage or not. And he said he isn't doing anything wrong or misbehaving, but there are minor details about Memphis, like when she overreacts to small problems, how she doesn't stay calm and even keeled, how she always exaggerates. She goes from zero to 100 right away. And his mom asks if he's satisfied with the way things are. She says Memphis is already a woman yelling at a man before marriage. What will she do next? Hamza told his mom about the prenup he has to sign before marriage so that if they divorce in the future, he won't get any of her money. And the mom says she has reservations about Memphis. She says you need many months to truly get to know someone, not just a month or two or three. It's not enough time. I would agree with her that that's not enough time. She says it's a relationship for life. She wants to know more about the prenup from Hamza. She asked why Memphis wants Hamza to sign it. And she wonders, does Memphis not trust him? And he tells his mom he agreed, and she asks why he acquiesces to everything she wants, and he says it's for the best. His mom told him he shouldn't have agreed, and when it comes to matrimony, a man and wife should trust each other. And yes, of course a man and wife should trust each other, but you also never know what the future holds, and you should be safe. Hamza explained his mom had a bad experience with marriage, and she ended up getting divorced. It majorly impacted her, and she was left alone. She's concerned Memphis and Hamza will have an issue and break up and that Hamza will live the same experience in life that she did of living alone and divorced. Hamza learned from his parents' divorce that he doesn't want to mess up his life. Once he gets married, it's for life. He won't divorce. The mom tells Hamza he doesn't lack anything. He's young. He's handsome. He has a degree. He will spend the rest of his life with the woman he marries, not just a day or two. He asked his mom if he should cancel the wedding, and she said, not cancel it, but are you sure about it? Are you sure you want to do it now? She asks why he's in a hurry to get married so quickly. Next up are Jasmine and Gino. Jasmine says she never saw it coming that Gino would text his ex her nudes. She never thought Gino would do that to her, and the worst part is Gino's attitude after she discovered his lies. She felt miserable, like trash, and super disappointed, and she wants her, her own room, understandably so, so she packed up her stuff. She says she felt like a clown and like a joke to Gino, and she feels like Gino doesn't deserve her. She says she is going to enjoy her Christmas gift. She wants to go home after and erase Gino from her memory, and she calls it a nightmare. She's trying to understand how she was so wrong about Gino from the start. She knew it was too good to be true, and she wondered why he was 52 years old and single. She thinks he's still in love with his ex because he wanted to make the ex jealous, and she says it's not fair the nudes were meant for him. They weren't meant for him to send to other people, and she feels violated, and she should feel violated. Gina pretended to be a sweet and good person and a hardworking man, and she fell in love with a ghost who doesn't exist. She feels it was just in her imagination and the real Gino she got to know way too late and she learned the hard way. 
She's crying and I really do feel bad for her because it's hard for her to trust and she trusted Gino and she shouldn't have sent the nudes to a guy she hadn't met yet in the first place or even at all because when you break up and a guy is pissed, you never know. But she had feelings and she trusted the man he portrayed himself to be and it hurt her finding out he wasn't worthy of trust and this will further complicate her ability to trust men in the future should a worthy guy come around. So Gino really did more than only violate her by sending the nudes and that's a terrible, horrible offense. Now she will trust herself less, trust her own judgments about men less, and she will even have a harder time trusting men in the future. Gino says what he did was really stupid. He says it's a bad feeling. He wanted to be with Jasmine the rest of his life, and she was the one for him. If she was the one, Gino wouldn't be sending her nudes anywhere, let alone to his ex to make her jealous. That is so gross. Gino says he messed up his chance to be with Jasmine forever, and it never should have happened. He can't defend what he did, but he wishes Jasmine could understand he would never deliberately hurt her. Um, if you send her nudes to your ex to make her jealous, you violate her in so many different ways. You break her trust and you violate her by sending them of all places to an ex to make her jealous and you wouldn't deliberately hurt her. Um, that's not true. He says he loves Jasmine more than he ever thought he could love a woman. And he knows if he loses her, this will this way. He will never find love like this again and he'll be devastated. Back to Mike and Jimena. Mike is back in New York and he's tidying up. He's been focusing on organization for Jimena. He has been home two months, but it feels longer and he does his day-to-day. -day. He hangs out with his friends, but being in a long-distance relationship is hard. He misses Jimena and he wants to call her to discuss his day. He wants to be around her. He doesn't want to be alone. He wants to keep his place clean. He wants to practice being tidy and neat so it can be a temporary home for Jimena and the kids if they come back to the U.S., when they come back to the U.S. He spoke to a lawyer about the visa process, and he has tried to make wedding plans with Jimena because next month they are supposed to get married in Colombia. Mike is trying to move forward with Jimena, but things have shifted since he's been home for the two months. She's being standoffish and distanced, so since he can work from anywhere remotely, Mike has decided to plan a last-minute trip to Colombia so they can reconnect in person. Mike talks with his roommates, his dad and grandpa, and I actually think it's cute that he lives with them. And he says he's packing to go back to Colombia because two weeks ago, Jimena started feeling off and distant. His dad asks Mike if he asked her why she was distant, and Mike says Jimena wouldn't give him a straight answer. Mike's dad suggests that Jimena might not want to leave her family to come to the U.S., that that's a big deal. And his dad also suggests maybe there's someone else, but it could also be a lot of things. Mike has no idea. Mike's dad said he has to be sure before he marries Jimena that she wants to come to the U.S., and if she doesn't want to relocate, then there is no point of getting married because nothing can come of the relationship. And Mike says if he finds out Jimena doesn't want to move to the U.S., he'll be heartbroken. He envisions a family and a home and a future and getting old together with Jimena. Mike says he still wants to marry Jimena, but he wants to see what's going on with her. His dad warns him that marriage is a very big thing, and he thinks Mike is rushing into it because it's a lifetime commitment, but he will support Mike 100%. He doesn't want Mike to make a mistake. He'll regret the rest of his life, though. Mike mentions Jimena wants plastic surgery like lipo and a boob job, and Mike told her she's fine as is, but she's adamant she wants the surgery and she wants Mike to pay. 
Mike's grandpa tells him it's not his responsibility to pay for Jimena's plastic surgery. He has enough financial responsibility of his own to take care of. And I would agree, it's not Mike's responsibility to pay for his fiance's plastic surgery. Mike's dad asks if he still sends Jimena money for anything. And Mike admits he pays half of her rent. And the dad suggests that should stop. Mike's dad thinks Jimena is using Mike to pay her bills and to live a lavish lifestyle back home. And he doesn't know why Mike is making Jimena his responsibility. He says, you can't buy love because when the money runs out, the love is gone. Mike says he understands their concerns, but Jimena is the first person he has actually loved. He's positive things will work out well. And the grandpa says, if you don't want to listen, do what you think is best. But we're older. We've lived a lot of life. We know what we're talking about. I know Jimena will marry Mike. But we already know how he bought her the furniture and appliances. And now we find he pays half her rent as well. And she wants him to foot the bill for the lipo and the boob job. And I know that they're planning on marrying like their fiancés. And she should worry about her kids. She should worry about their education, food, necessities. She should worry about the future. But I don't think she should be worrying about plastic surgery or asking Mike to be the one to fund it. It leaves me with red flag feelings and I'd be very suspicious. If I pay my own bills and for my own existence, I would expect the person that I'm with to also be able to pay for their existence. Mike says their relationship needs work. So he has to go back to Colombia and he hopes they work out their differences. He wants to find out why Jimena changed, why her texts are different, but he's confident he'll find the same love he did on the first trip. His dad and grandpa ask him to be alert and to look for red flags. And they warn him a mistake could ruin his life. Back to Ella in Idaho Falls. Ella has decided to meet Johnny in person after a year and a half. She looks for flights to Dubai because Johnny is worried about the pandemic in the U.S. But he hasn't canceled his ticket to Dubai yet. So Ella decided she will meet him there. And before even asking him, she goes ahead and buys a ticket. Johnny doesn't know Ella is catching a flight to Dubai, but she hopes it encourages Johnny, the love of her life, to meet her in Dubai in person. And she thinks her mom is going to kill her, but she puts it on her credit card. She says she's putting herself out there again and spending money she doesn't have. And there is no guarantee that Johnny, the love of her life, will show up. She says it's a big risk for her. She loves him enough that she is willing to risk it all to meet the love of her life. She is calling Johnny to tell him the good news. She puts on a headscarf and she tells Johnny she will need the headscarf where she's going because she bought a ticket to Dubai. Johnny is happy to hear it and he says she made a big sacrifice, but this is a very hard situation because the rules and policies in China are so strict. This guy comes up with something every time. I think if he wanted to meet her pandemic or not, he'd find a way. Now, that was my initial opinion until I Googled the China quarantine periods. If he goes overseas, it will be a very long quarantine for him. It's a five-week quarantine in China if he goes to Dubai for the two weeks. And Johnny says it's hard, and she says it will be hard for her to go to Dubai, but they will both be making sacrifices if he decides to go. Johnny says he wants to meet Ella, but China has strict pandemic rules, so if he goes to Dubai to meet her for just two weeks in Dubai, he needs another five-week quarantine when he returns to China. Johnny thinks the sacrifice is too much for a two-week visit, and he wants them to wait till China relaxes the quarantine policy so he doesn't have to do a five-week quarantine for a two-week visit. Ella asks Johnny if 
he is tired of waiting and she asks if he really genuinely wants to meet her. He says he wants to meet Ella, but two weeks is too short of a trip if he's going to have to do a five-week quarantine. Ella says it's now for two weeks or who knows when. She says she feels Johnny really never wanted to come in the first place. He tells her no, he just wants to wait a little longer till the quarantine periods in China are relaxed. I thought it was total BS, but then I googled the quarantine periods in China, and it depends what province you are from, but the minimum is a 21-day quarantine with 14 days in a hotel and 7 days of checking symptoms. And the max is a 28-day quarantine with a 28-day symptom check at home. And in some provinces, it depends where you live. So Johnny wasn't making up the five-week quarantine. And the first two weeks or the first half of the quarantine, whatever period it is for your province, must be done at a hotel, according to what I read. So imagine the hotel bill too, plus missing work, because not only are you doing the first half in the hotel, but you have to do the second half at home and you're not able to work. At first, I thought it had to be BS, but it is actually true, according to what I googled. Ella insists either he comes to Dubai or she will look at other options like having an open relationship. I think she wants to push Johnny to meet, but China does have very strict pandemic rules and very long, long, long quarantines. And Johnny is right. After Googling, is it worth a 14-day hotel bill and a five-week quarantine of no work? For the second half, you are allowed to quarantine at home, but you're still not allowed to bring an income and work for over a month when he has a child and parents to support. And that's a big responsibility on him that he will have to manage. I understand that Ella feels jerked around. I really do. And I expected it to be excuses from Johnny. But after Googling it, it does seem accurate. 21 days is the shortest quarantine and 56 days is the longest. And it depends really where you live. And you can't even go home for the first half. If you traveled, you must go to a hotel. And the second half, you may return home. So no work and a hotel bill and the expenses for the trip and a son and a family to support. So it makes sense in this case that Johnny is very hesitant. I thought his pandemic fear was overboard, but I think this is more about the strict rules China has for travelers that are going to travel outside of China and then return and the responsibilities he has and the missed work. And I don't necessarily think it's about not wanting to meet Ella in this case. If Johnny really wanted to see her, he would go to Dubai in a perfect world. Yes, sure. But he also knows for two weeks of a stay in Dubai, then he has to have five weeks off of work, quarantining, and the two-week hotel bill in China when he flies back, in addition to the expenses for the Dubai trip and supporting his parents and his son while he's not at work for the five-week period plus the two-week trip to Dubai. And that's incredibly impractical for him and unrealistic. Next up is Ben waiting for mahogany. He asks the lady when the restaurant closes and it closes at 11 and it's already nine and he's already been waiting for her for over an hour. And he feels at this point, mahogany might not be real. And if that's true, that mahogany is fake this whole time, his whole world will fall apart. You cannot hinge all of your happiness and your whole life on one person. And if that person isn't real or if you break up in a relationship, your whole life, your whole world falls apart. That's really, really, really not the way it should be. He puts it, he says he put his heart in this and he thinks maybe he's a fool, but he holds on to hope that the love he shared with Mahogany is real. Ben says he has nowhere to go, so he isn't going anywhere for a while, even though he's already waited for over an hour. And surprise, surprise, surprise. I was surprised. Mahogany shows up and they hug and I am shocked. She looks nothing like her photo. She is still very pretty, but she doesn't look like her photo that was filtered to the high heavens at all. But she is pretty. I really don't understand why she didn't 
why she needed to use the filter. She looked, she's very pretty. She doesn't need the filter for the photo. She explained she wasn't prepared to come and she almost didn't do it. She was nervous because her parents don't trust Ben's intentions. They don't approve of him. But because Ben made the effort to come to her town, she decided she wanted to see him and get to know who he is. He says that Mahogany is a beautiful woman. He says seeing her, it all comes back, all the texts and the spiritual connections. And he says it was a magical moment. And he says it's worth it. He was in shock. He's waited so long to meet her, so long to see her, and she apologizes for being late and for not going to the airport and for not responding to the text. She felt bad, and she says it wasn't easy not being able to go to the airport, and it didn't feel right for her. And he tells her not to apologize, all is forgiven, and he asks how to pronounce her name, and he asks her what she thinks of him. I think he looks like her father personally sitting next to her. It looks very weird. She says it's different than what she thought, but in a good way. And later in confessional, she says, Ben didn't look as muscular and as big as he did in his modeling pictures. He was smaller than, than she thought, but his personality seemed about the same. She asks, he asks about, she asks Ben about her, and he says he likes her beautiful smile. Ben says Mahogany looks different than her pictures, and he could tell that her pictures were doctored, but he loves the aura she gives off and her presence of kindness and love that emanate from her. He asks, she's eating empanadas, he doesn't know what that is, and he says he usually eats meat and beef and pizza. Mahogany says they're basically just talking about food. She says she doesn't like pizza, she doesn't like hamburgers, but they both love sushi. She loves Italian food other than pizza, and she loves, loves, love, loves oatmeal. She has oatmeal every day, but Ben doesn't like oatmeal. Mahogany says she, ha she has oatmeal, she loves it. And it's very important to her. So because it's so important to her, Ben says he'll have to learn to like it. They are really having a very deep, profound conversation here. He asks Mahogany why she loves him. And she says he has an enormous heart and a beautiful soul and he loves God. And that's very important to her. But she really needs to know him better. Ben says they have a long road and it will be built on trust. And he wants to earn that trust. And he has a lot to prove to her parents. And he knows they disapprove, but he will prove to them that he's worthy. He says he's very confident that they will like him in the end. Mahogany says Ben sees her as someone God put in his life with a purpose. And she says Ben is nice and attractive and it makes her happy, but she can already see his feelings for her are much stronger than hers are for him. And he is taking things much more seriously than she is. She says she needs time with, with Ben before she can even decide if this will even become an actual relationship. To her, it's not even an actual relationship yet. She's not saying, I love you. She's not reciprocating. To Ben, this is the woman he's going to marry. She says they have to see what happens in the coming days and not just with words, but with actions as well. Ben hu hugs Mahogany. He tells her he loves her many times and he's glad she came to see him and that she's amazing. She says, thank you. He says, I love you again. And she doesn't say, I love you back. I don't think this is going to work. I don't think Mahogany is that into Ben. And she knows Ben is super into her, already saying, I love you a million times. And they're already starting off on different pages. I mean, Mahogany seems more level-headed than Ben. It might end up fine in the end, but I don't think so. Ben is way more invested than she is. He's, ben says he still sees Mahogany as his future wife, but they are on two different levels. He has his heart out there and he loves her and he Ben says he wants to express that to her, but Mahogany isn't reciprocating that love back and she isn't the same way that she was online. She isn't saying I love you back and that concerns him. He doesn't know her yet to say he loves her. 
She's rational in not saying what she doesn't mean, and I think she's a little freaked out by the I love yous already and how serious he is about her, and she isn't even sure she wants to be in a relationship yet with Ben. She needs more time with him to even know if they're in a relationship, and Ben is already saying I love you and saying that this is the girl he's going to marry. And she's really, he seems very concerned she isn't saying I love you back, and she seems very concerned with the level he's on. If I was Mahogany, I'd be concerned that he's already saying I love you at the first meeting before he truly even knows who she is or what she's about or before he truly even spends time with her. And he's concerned that she isn't reciprocating. He should be concerned that he's saying I love you and pull, pull it back a little bit. I think Ben needs to take it down a few notches because the intensity will push Mahogany to say she doesn't want a relationship with, with him, let alone marriage, if he's too needy and aggressive with the love. Back to Jasmine and Gino, Jasmine says, today was one of the hardest moments of her life. She wasn't expecting Gino to be a scumbag and she wonders why she fell in love with Gino. She calls her friend and she's trying to stay calm, but her friend is pissed at Gino and Jasmine is pissed that he communicates with his ex. That seems to piss her off even more than the nudes. She calls the ex a worthless piece of shit, but his ex had Jasmine's back in my opinion because she alerted jasmine to gino's gross behavior she texted her the photos he sent and all the text conversations basically she had her back and i appreciate that i'd be grateful to the ex that she was honest and that she saved me from wasting time in my life with a perv gino is a worthless piece of shit and not the ex isn't the piece of shit i don't think she should be so angry at the ex but she calls the ex a street prostitute as well but I really don't think this is the ex's fault. I think the ex had her back by telling her the truth and sending her the evidence. And her friend says, it's not the talking with the ex, that's the problem, but the sending of the nudes, that's the problem. And I would agree with her. I mean, should he really be talking with his ex? Maybe not, but the sending of the nudes is the real issue here. Jasmine never wants to see Gino again in her life, and she wants to know why Gino sent the photos. Her friend said it was to make the ex jealous. Jasmine asks her friend if, she thinks Gino is in love with his ex still. And her friend says, yes, of course, he probably still loves his ex if he's trying to make her jealous. And Jasmine says Gino is dead to her. Her friend asks if Gino tried to talk to her again. And Jasmine says she is going to make a big drama, a scandal over what Gino did to her. Her friend tells her to let it go, not to make a scene and not to be bitter. Jasmine says she's full of hate because it's her reputation on the line. She's pissed he sent the nudes to his ex. She should be. She should feel violated. She should be pissed. But also, let's be real. Should she have trusted a man from the internet with her nudes in the first place? A man she never met. I wouldn't even trust my boyfriend or husband with nudes because when there is a breakup, if a man is pissed, he won't care no matter how respectful or trustworthy he seems. In anger or high emotions during a breakup, anything is possible. So she shouldn't have sent her nudes, especially to a man she hasn't met in the first place. But she craves validation for her looks and she's very ego-driven, so she sent them, but she should have considered the consequences. She doesn't really know the man behind the screen, even if they FaceTime all day long, even if she meets him in person for a few weeks. So she shouldn't have sent the naked pics in the first place and Gino also was wrong and it was a huge violation and breaking her trust to even send the photos. She... Gina was wrong, but she also shouldn't have been so trusting to send those nudes, and she never should have sent them at all, really. They're both wrong, but Gino is even more wrong. If she wants to send the nudes, she should be able to send the nudes and trust the person, person that she sends them to, and she shouldn't have been violated, but 
Jasmine is all worked up, raging on her way, and she's going to Gino's room. She says she isn't the type of girl who just goes away with this shit. She says, you did bad to me, and you're going to pay for it. She tells Gino he sent his ex her nudes, that she trusted him with those nudes, and she says she's going to sue him. If I was her, yeah, I would take legal action. Gino asks, what nudes? Jasmine yells, the nudes you sent her, Gino. She, and Gino says, in a really dismissive way, oh, those weren't nudes. She says her boobs were showing, but they, and Gino says it was just her boobs showing that they aren't nudes. And she says, so effing take off your hat. And she removes his precious hat and he's smiling. He's all smiles. He doesn't seem to be taking it seriously. It's bad. Honestly, his, uh, his hair situation is bad. He's totally bald at the top and on the sides with, but on the back, he leaves sparse hair. That's he leaves buzzed, but not to the scalp, like the rest of his head and the sides that are completely bald. Gino, just shave it all. It will look better, and it will be way more dignified. Jasmine yells, those are nudes. And Gino, and she leaves, and Gino is smiling. He grabs a hat from his backpack and tells Jasmine if she can't talk peacefully to him to F off. She yells peacefully, why the fuck did you send her my nudes? She's screaming at the top of her lungs that that was part of her privacy that was her, her private photos and she cries yelling how can you do that how and gino says i made a mistake to send the pictures and he knows he can't take it back and gino asks you know how i feel she says you're fucking trash she calls Gino a stupid old man and he stays quiet and that aggravates her more so she tells him speak fucking speak have the balls to say something he says what do you want me to talk about with zero emotion very cold very dismissive she asks, why did you do it? And he says, I told you why. She yells, why? And he said, to rub it in his ex's face. Jasmine asks, is that what I am to you? Just a piece of meat? And he says, no, it has nothing to do with. And he starts talking and she cuts him off and asks if he's interested in his ex still. And Gino says, no. And Jasmine yells, you are obsessed with her. He says, wrong, that he broke up with her. She said, he's publishing his new, her new. She said, she's going to publish his nudes of his tiny dick. Does he want her to do that? And he says he doesn't agree with that, but if he wants to send a photo of him nude to one of her exes, she can. She says, no, there's nothing to brag about with Gino's little dick that her pics were hot and his pictures are depressing. He says, whoopee. And he's being really sarcastic. He's being, being very cynical and very dismissive as if he has no feelings. Jasmine tells Gino he's not a man and she doesn't want to see him anymore. Gino says that's her choice. She says, Gino wasn't a choice. It was a fucking mistake she made. And then she tells Gino. And then she's talking to Gino some more. And then she gets violent and she hits Gino. And the producer has to step in and between them and uh, like basically protect Gino. She yells, how dare you? I trusted you. And the producer tells Jasmine to please walk away. She calls him a loser. She calls him a fucking liar. She says she hates him. I think Gino had, it feels in this scene like Gino had zero feelings for Jasmine and he was just using her because he really didn't seem sorry at all. And I understand that Jasmine is pissed and feels violated. I don't condone violence, but I think she expected some sincere regret and accountability when she confronted him and he was calm and dismissive and she realized he didn't care about her and she got pissed enough to hit him. I can see how she got pissed and I think Gino is wrong and she shouldn't have trusted him at all in the first place. And she didn't know, she shouldn't have trusted a man she didn't know in real life at all in the first place with her nudes. 
I really, again, wouldn't even trust a husband or a boyfriend because when it ends, you really don't know what could happen. But Gino also violated her big time and I would take legal action. And I don't think the hitting really did anything productive, but I get that she's angry, obviously. I'd be livid too, but I also wouldn't have sent the nudes in the first place to someone from a computer. Back to Kim and Usman, Kim says she wasn't expecting him to tell her that they were going to have sex. She's nervous because now Usman is going to call her son Jamal and they are very close and he is very protective of his mom. It's a huge deal that Usman and Jamal will be meeting because Kim says she doesn't usually discuss her personal life with him and she says it's huge for Jamal to meet the man she loves. But really, Usman still hasn't committed to her relationship, so it's too much for her to be saying she loves him. She's still a potential girlfriend at this point, and Usman has agreed to have sex with her just to end the drama and appease her, but he isn't doing it wholeheartedly because he wants to yet. Usman jokes, let me call my son, and Jamal says he doesn't trust him and he knows how men work. He says if they don't work out, he has to deal with the repercussions, probably meaning he has to deal with the fallout of his mom being an emotional mess and him having to deal with it. Usman says he understands and he loves a lot about Kimberly, like her 100% loyalty to him, that she isn't, he appreciates that she isn't jealous of his female fans, and not every lady can understand he will have female fans, but Kim does. And Jamal says Usman is describing an assistant and not someone he wants to be in a romantic relationship with. Usman says it's part of being supportive, that it isn't all about beauty and attraction and whatever. It's about living in peace with your partner. Usman doesn't care much about the attraction. He just wants to know he can live in peace. So Usman is saying it's not about attraction. It's about having a partner he can have peace with. That's the most important thing to him, who's supportive. After baby girl Lisa, I can understand him wanting a peaceful relationship and that being the priority. Kim and Jamal doesn't look impressed. Kim jokes, Tell Jamal I'm beautiful to Usman. And Usman says he knows that he's your copy and he's handsome. And Usman says it's good Jamal is protective of his mom. He wants to guarantee to Jamal that he will not hurt Kimberly, his mom. Jamal says because of the age difference, the relationship really doesn't seem ideal. But if his mom wants it and she's happy, then he's happy. Usman said it went well and Kim expected Jamal to be harder on Usman, but she's glad it's over with. It meant a lot to Kim that Usman spoke to her son and it makes her feel that Usman is taking their relationship seriously, so she hopes they have sex. The producer asks Kim how she feels and it's about the time before they're going to get it on and she says she's nervous, she thinks she got through to Usman, that she's serious, and Kim has questions like, does the sex come with the relationship status? Or is the sex just sex and separate from the relationship status? Will they have sex and it end up being nothing? Before she begged for sex, saying she doesn't care if they're in a relationship. And Usman said sex was only after he decided they were in a relationship. She begged and begged and begged. She made threats that if they don't have sex, she'd be done. And then he said sex should come when he decides on the relationship. But then he decided he'll have sex to end the drama over the sex. And now she wants to know if they're in a relationship. So if the relationship matters, why did she not follow Usman's lead and wait till he decided on a relationship to have sex like he wanted to in the first place? Kim says it's scary but cool. Usman says it's the first time Kim is having sex <laughs> the African way and he feels like he needs to go easy on her. He says she'll be walking funny in the morning if it's too intense. So he wants her to walk normally. He's going to go easy on her. He has a robe on. He comes out in a robe and sunglasses and a soja boy chain. 
Before they have sex, he pronounces them officially boyfriend and girlfriend. And he says he can't have sex unless he commits. And he decided to make it official. So that's why he's having sex. Usman says Kim is not just a potential girlfriend anymore. Kim is ecstatic. She says it's exactly what she came there for. And Usman just made Kimberly's life. He really, really, really just made Kimberly's life. He said he always wanted to make him his girlfriend, but he wanted to know her in person and he thinks she is the one. He says because of the loyalty and how supportive and patient she is, that he believes it's real love. Next up are Jimena and Mike. Mike just landed in Colombia and he's nervous to see Jimena because she hasn't been acting like herself. She didn't come to the airport to meet Mike like she did on the first visit and it make, made Mike feel like something is wrong. He hopes spending time together in person will help them to reconnect. Jimena says this trip is different than the first trip because the first trip, Jimena was very in love with Mike. It was hearts everywhere. She wanted to meet him and it was very, very, very lovey-dovey. Since Mike left, Jimena has thought a lot about how Mike is very clingy and she's a person who needs a lot of space. And Mike comes in and Jimena is very neat and clean and orderly and Jimena sits down uh, Mike sits down next to Jimena and she says it smells like poop when he sits by her and we find out that Mike has poop on his shoes and he's tracked it on the carpet as well. She tells Mike to go to the laundry room so it's a really bad start to his trip and that she needs to go scrub his shoes immediately. He apologizes. He tells Jimena he'll buy her a new rug. Mike says he's not off to the best start. And Jimena is very meticulous about her house and he's just accidentally tracked in dog poop on the carpet from his shoes. And they say that uh, they ask him if he wants to eat anything and he says he doesn't want to eat anything that will give him um, gas because last time he visited he had a farting problem and he wants to be conscious of it for Jimena. Mike says he came to spend time with Jimena and the kids and to meet the entire family again and to get to know everyone better. But we find out Jimena told Mike not to come at all until after she had her plastic surgery. He was going to come and she told him please don't come until after because she had surgery plan for the time when Mike decided he was going to come. And she said he wasn't supposed to come, but he insisted on coming. He said, I'm going to come. I'm going to come. I'm going to come at this time. Even though she asked him to please wait because she already had her surgery scheduled. To me, it feels like she doesn't want him there. She says to, she explains to everyone she wants a boob job and a tummy tuck to work as a model and to get more opportunities. I really don't know if she could be a model, but maybe she's not meaning a runway model. I have a feeling she means something else. She told Mike about that she was doing the surgeries, that she wanted to do the surgeries around the time he came, and she asked Mike to pay for them, and Mike said he didn't want to pay for her procedures, so she wanted them really bad, so she went to ask a loan shark for money because the procedures are very important to her to do very fast. If she doesn't have the money, why ask Mike or a loan shark? Why doesn't she work and save the money like everyone else? Jimena seems to not make the most reasonable choices. What woman would go to a loan shark to borrow money for unneeded cosmetic procedures that they don't really need? I think she's being different after Mike refused to pay for her plastic surgeries. And once he wouldn't pay, she didn't really want him to come. This is a huge red flag. She says she was planning to get the surgery in a few days and now she can't because Mike came. And it seems to really annoy her that she had to reschedule her surgeries. I would care more about my fiance and my kids' futures than borrowing money from a loan shark and insisting on doing plastic surgery. But Jimena also seemed to have told him to wait so she wouldn't have to change her surgery plans. And he insisted at the end, it's her body, her choice, if that's really what she wants to do. 
Mike also, at the same time, could have gave it a few weeks since he works remotely. He could have worked from anywhere. He could have worked from home and then gone and visit her in Colombia at any time. She's annoyed, but since Mike's already there, she hopes they can get the spark back that they had on the first trip. Mike tells Amena she seems surprised that he came, and he asks if it was a good surprise or a bad surprise. She says it was good, it was a normal surprise, but the look on her face, she seems 100% annoyed and really unhappy that he's there. Mike says he can't tell if Jimena is glad he came or not, but that it feels good that he's back with her and he's sure when, some, when Jimena sees how much progress he's made with himself, with his cleanliness habits and his better habits with body functions, she'll warm up and they can pick up where they left off on the first trip. Jimena looks very annoyed and very frustrated and very unhappy. She tells Mike she wants to go out to a club and Mike says he'll go with her. Back to Ella and Johnny now. Johnny thinks Ella proposing that she would look at other options like an open relationship isn't fair. He says the pandemic isn't either of their faults. Ella loves Johnny and she wants kids. The, the clock is ticking away. She's almost 30. So if he won't meet with her in person, she's going to have to move on. Now, just because you want kids, if you haven't met the right person, it's not a good idea to rush into it and have kids. You can always adopt. You can always freeze your eggs and have it work out later. But just rushing to meet a man just because you're 30 and you want kids is just not a good idea. Ella says she will give Johnny a few days to think, but she needs an answer. Ella is in tears. She says her dream is to love somebody who loves her back just as much. Johnny doesn't think going to Dubai is a good idea, but if he doesn't go, he thinks his relationship with Ella will be in major trouble. So he meets his friend to get advice on what he should do about Ella. His friend tells him that the pandemic is very serious and isn't he scared to go to Dubai? And Johnny says, of course he's scared. He's very troubled by it because if he goes to Dubai for two weeks and he gets C-19, he'd be stuck in Dubai and he can't go to the U.S. in that case and he can't fly back home to China in that case. And let's not forget, Johnny has a responsibility. He supports his parents who help him raise his child. He has his child's support. He also has his parents. Johnny says if he leaves China, flying back will be very complicated because of the quarantine situation, and he would be devastated if he can't get back into China because his parents are there and his son is there. His friend tells him, why doesn't he just wait six or seven months till everything gets better? But Johnny said, Ella said that if he keeps postponing, she can't keep waiting. She thinks it's better than in that case that they have an open relationship if he's going to make her wait. Johnny said it's very sad and it's unacceptable to him. He's afraid Ella will meet someone else and he'll lose her. He says if Ella has sex with another guy, it will be very hard for him to accept. And in China, they don't typically do open relationships and Johnny doesn't think it's a healthy way to be. He doesn't want to waste Ella's time and he thinks he's the right person for her and he wants to get married as soon as possible and he really wants to build a family. And he asks his friend what to do and he says... Johnny should go to Ella since Ella waited two years and he should meet her in person. Johnny knows waiting could destroy them, so he says he's really going to think about this. Back to Jasmine and Gino. They had already scheduled a boat ride at sunset, so she is going to go alone. She's upset about her photos, but she thinks, fuck Gino and his ex. She will enjoy the boat trip at sunset regardless. She's sad and she can't believe she's come to paradise to spend time with the love of her life. And now it's like being in hell. Jasmine says she's imperfect. She has negatives to work on, but Gino is like, give me a break. She, she says, fuck Gino. She knows other men will love her and be attracted to her. She has a lot to offer. She's beautiful. She's hardworking. And she doesn't know why she was so attracted to Gino, who broke her heart into pieces. 
back to Memphis and Hamza. Memphis has been there over a week and things have been up and down like a roller coaster. She's very concerned that they will be getting married in the next week and they don't know a lot of things about each other. They don't know everything about each other yet. Memphis still hasn't told Hamza that she spent the night at her ex's while they were still talking and her ex is her baby daddy and they're, they were best friends before they had a child together and they really um, are still best friends. There's nothing sexual between them. And she said she didn't think she had to tell Hamza because nothing sexual happened. She doesn't think it's important and she also doesn't know how involved she knows Hamza also doesn't know how involved her ex is in her life. And I mean, she's her ex is the father of her kids. He's going to be involved in her life. And she already knows that culturally Hamza isn't going to understand how involved her ex is and that it's going to be a huge problem. Memphis tells Hamza that they have to talk about something that happened over the summer. She wants to explain about her ex and how she stayed there for a few nights, but that nothing happened and how involved her ex is in her life. He's the father of her kids. And Hamza interrupts her and he tells Memphis before she can say more that he thinks they rushed into deciding to get married. So Memphis asks, do you think we should, we shouldn't get married on this trip that we should wait to get married? And we already know Memphis gave the ultimatum that if they weren't married this trip, she was going to be done with the relationship and we get a cliffhanger and it ends there. We don't know what happens yet. Back to Jasmine and Gino. Gino reflects that it was the worst day of his life yesterday and he thinks he lost Jasmine. He's never seen her that mad before and he's pretty sure she's done with him. He's crying and he says he can understand that after all the shit he caused her that she would be done. Jasmine cried all night and she says it's the worst nightmare ever. She's never been this mad in her whole life. But she has to go back to Gino's room because she left her purse and she can't leave the island without it. She doesn't want to see Gino but she knows she has to get her purse. Gino asks Jasmine when she goes if they can talk. He apologizes. He says it was stupid. He knows he caused her pain and he is devastated by everything. Jasmine feels she now doesn't even know who Gino is anymore. Gino says it won't happen again. He'll never talk to his ex again. He wants a chance. She asks why he should get a chance. How will she know he just wants one woman and a commitment and that he isn't still a sugar daddy and back to his old ways. And she says she can't play games. Gino tells Jasmine he loves her. He has long-term intentions with her. He only cares about her. He doesn't care about anyone else but her. She's the perfect woman. Now, at this point, I was watching, hoping she rejects him. I would never trust him. I would never go back to him at all under any circumstances if I was her. Jasmine says she wants to be loved and she loves Gino. And she knows Gino loves him and they hug. And Gino tells her he loves her. Jasmine says she knows that he loves her. And she knows he lied and she knows people will think she's stupid. Why forgive him? Um, but she is going to forgive him and they are going to get back together. I would never forgive him. She says she knows from how Gino looks at her that he loves her very much and she is hurt and it will take work to heal. But she said it's very hard to find love and she, she found it with Gino. She loves him and she knows he loves her and she doesn't want to lose it. If he loved you in the first place, he wouldn't have sent your nudes or topless photos, whatever they are, to his ex to make her jealous. I think they're both nuts at this point. I really do. Next up are Jimena and Mike. They went out, but around midnight, Mike wanted to go home and have a... He wanted... He expected Jimena to go home with him and to have alone time with her on his first night there, but Jimena wasn't ready to go home. She wanted to stay at the club, and Mike feels hurt that he came home alone on his first night back. He asks when... Jimena got home and she says 9 a.m. 
And Mike questions why she'd stay out so late. What did she do? She says she stayed out because she wanted to drink longer. She wanted to be with her girlfriends. Mike asks if she spent time with any men. And Jimenez says there were men at the club, but they weren't there with her. Jimenez says Mike wanted to leave. So what she did was she got him a cab to make sure she got home safe, that he got home safe. But in Colombia, people stay out till 9 or 10 a.m. They party all night and then they get breakfast together and then they go home. She doesn't know why Mike's interrogating her, and it really did feel like a father talking down to a child. Mike says he wants Amanda to understand how he feels because she left him there home alone the first night, and he's not happy about it. He said the first trip, Amanda was excited to see him, but now she seems less happy, and she doesn't see Mike as a priority anymore. He says they're supposed to get married soon, and he wants to be higher on her list of priorities than what he seems to be right now. Jimena tells Mike while he's visiting, she won't go out again, but when he leaves, she is going to go out because she enjoys going out. Mike says he trusts her and he says, okay. And Jimena says, if Mike trusted her, they wouldn't even be having the conversation in the first place. That he, she knows he doesn't trust her and she doesn't want to talk about it any further. Her head hurts. Mike says he trusts her, but he wishes she was more understanding of him and he's only here for 10 days and he came to spend time with her, but he seems like the only one putting in effort to connect and he hopes it gets better because if not, the relationship won't work. That brings us to the end of the episode and the teaser for next week seems really, really good. Next time, Ben is going to sit with Mahogany. He tells her that he loves her. He loves her and he says he knows that she loves her dad and she should be in... She should love her dad, but he believes that her dad influences her into thinking Ben is there for the wrong reasons, and Mahogany is looking at him like, this is not your place. Don't mention my dad. Don't try to tell me that my dad influences me in this way or that way. I mean, it was totally not his place, and he was totally crossing a line, and I really don't think it's Ben's place to speak on her dad at all, and he asks Mahogany to meet her parents. Next, and Jimena goes dress shopping for her wedding, and Mike hopes that when Jimena sees herself in her wedding dress, she'll get happy again, and it will show him that she does want to marry him. And then at the wedding place, she asks Mike, so you'll pay for my wedding dress, but not for my boob job? And she says, pay for my surgery first, then pay for my dress. That is just huge red flags galore. And Gino is meeting Jasmine's mom and her family, and he has a week and a half to win Jasmine's trust back before he has to go home. And he wants to make a good impression on Jasmine's family. And Jasmine lets Gino know her mom's opinion is important. So if her mom says no to Gino, then Jasmine wouldn't marry him. Usman says he values his new relationship with Kimberly, but he's been hiding something from her. And I don't think it's going to be something good. Memphis tells Hamza he has to trust her. And Hamza tells her, you don't trust me. And Memphis tells Hamza that... She stayed at her ex's and he doesn't seem to take it very well. I'm shocked about Gino and Jasmine getting back together. I was really rooting for Jimena and Mike initially, but now I feel she really, really, really might be in it for money. And there were already signs in the episode where uh, she got engaged to him and her family was saying, basically, this is so you can have a better life and more opportunity for your kids. Like it was more about that and the financial opportunity I kind of felt, but we'll see. I think Ben will alienate Mahogany with a quickness. Uh, I think she isn't that into Ben and Ben's level of wanting her will creep her out. And Hamza and Memphis, I really doubt will work out. And I want to know, what is Usman hiding? What is Usman hiding? Thanks so much for watching 90 Day with Mary Jane K. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. See you guys next time. Bye.